0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: If you have a really clear path forward and what you want, and not just what you want, but what you need from a deal, it allows you to walk away from mediocre deals and really pursue those. It gets really knock it out of the park with your great deals.
0: Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fund That Flip, and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fund That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fund That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you Best Ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash bestever and that's fundthatflip.com forward slash bestever and you'll get a free deal analysis tool it will help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price, super important. You can print out all the detailed reports. And that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. With us today, Sarah Pritchett. How you doing, Sarah? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well, and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Sarah. She is a captain working for the Air Force as a program manager and instructor, and an independent real estate investor. So first and foremost, thank you for your service to our country, Sarah.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been a lot of fun.
0: I'm glad to hear that. On top of the Air Force job that she has, as I mentioned, she's a real estate investor. She specializes in single family buy and hold rentals. She's completed eight deals, which includes four townhouses in Florida, two condos, and a duplex in Michigan. She began investing in 2015 after reading Mr. Money Mustache's blog, which I, I have not read or heard of, so I'm very much looking forward to Googling that, based in Denver, Colorado. And with that being said, Sarah, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's been an interesting journey, honestly. Uh, so I grew up in Michigan. My first base was in Florida, which is why I tend to have property down there. And of course now I'm in Colorado. So growing up, I, I went to University of Michigan. So, I, you know, I am a Wolverine and I studied brain behavior cognitive science and then I got my master's degree in physiology. So I wasn't Academically business based, but I became a project manager for the Air Force and took a lot of business classes there, got certified. And eventually I stumbled across the idea of financial freedom. And so for the best ever listeners, that is the idea of your investment basically paying your way through life. Really negating the need to work if you do not wish to work, but Anyways, I came across that blog with Mr. Money Mustache, which is all about financial independence, and he has a great writing style. He happens actually to be also in Colorado, but he writes a lot about early retirement, and I believe he retired before the age of 30. So that sounded really interesting to me, and part of the way, or I guess one of the ways he did that was through real estate. So that's how I got involved in the real estate market.
0: You began real estate, is this correct, in 2015? Am I reading that correctly?
1: That is correct, yes, about a year and a half ago.
0: A year and a half ago, and you've already purchased four townhouses, two condos, and a duplex, right?
1: Yes, and I have an offer on a foreclosure right now. We're supposed to close in a week and a half, so fingers crossed.
0: Are the funds for all these purchases coming out of your W-2 job or are you doing something else to finance these?
1: That's a good question. So some of it was for W-2 job, but most of it I've been financing through my home equity line of credit. So the Denver market here is pretty crazy for those of you who are local. And so our house has appreciated, our primary residence has appreciated considerably. That allowed us to take out a home equity line of credit large enough to finance like a down payment or at least assist in the down payment of some of these properties. So it's not like we're financing every single property for the down payment, but especially now since the cash flow from these properties, they finance the next down payment of the next property now that we have enough. So it's a little bit of both to answer your question.
0: So did you buy the places in Florida? Because you said you're based in Florida. Did you buy them when you were living in Florida?
1: I did not actually. So I moved to Colorado in 2013 and I didn't even discover the Mr. Money Mustache blog until I think it was December of 2014. And at that point, I started to get a much better understanding of how real estate works. Even buying my primary residence was really, really overwhelming for me at first. So going through the lending process, I just did not understand the process. And so I started looking around the Denver market to see, hey, maybe I can get my first deal under my belt. And unfortunately, it's so competitive here. You'd have condos being sold to cash buyers that were bidding $25,000 over asking price. So <laughs> it's crazy and it's still that way even for $400,000 houses here. And so that being said, I kind of thought about where I've lived in the past in certain parts of Florida where I was stationed. You could get a three-bed, two-and-a-half-bath townhouse with a garage and a fenced-in yard for around 70k versus that same size house of that quality in a nice neighborhood would go for almost 250 plus here Mm -hmm. so that allowed me to get a running head start versus a slower start in real estate
0: what are some of the requirements you have when you purchase a property in terms of looking at it underwriting that sort of thing
1: You always have to look at the economy, or at least I do. I look at the local economy. So in this sense, in Florida, there are two or three major military bases down there. It has a strong tourist economy. I mean, it it just has strong everything down there. And so looking at that, I knew if one employer, for example, pulled out, if the military base closed, for example, I would still have renters in that area. The other thing is, of course, when you look at, the amount of rent that a property can make looking at things like capital expenditures. So if we're talking about how much am I going to have to put aside for things like the roof and siding and major appliances, HVAC, repair vacancies. So aside from the typical things for that in the HOA, I also look for something that cash flows with management at least $250 per door. Mm -hmm. And that can be changed as well. But I also look for cash on cash return. So kind of return on the investment that I put in of at least 15%. -hmm. So for example, if I put 20 grand down for a down payment on the mortgage annually, I have to make at least 15% back. Honestly, I do bend that every once in a while. So I do have a property that makes, I think, uh, 12% cash on cash return, but it also cash flows $500 per month which is a little unusual, but that was obviously a good trade-off for me.
0: I'm going to guess, and it's going to be a wild guess. Is that the duplex in Michigan?
1: It's not, actually. Oh, it is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a condo down the road in Colorado here for me. Mm,
0: I should have guessed that, yeah, because it's going to be in a nicer area, and you won't cash flow as much percentage-wise, but you're getting a chunk. Okay. From your properties, your townhouses, the to condos, and a duplex, Why are you buying these types of properties versus the traditional standalone single family house?
1: I guess it's a little bit of a mix. So with vacancy, for example, it might be a little bit easier. First of all, I guess I should rewind. I haven't had much of an issue with vacancy, but I thought it might be just better in general if I have tenants. It might attract more tenants if there's not a lot of yard work or general maintenance in that sense. Also, I read an article which I thought was very interesting on depreciation. You can depreciate, of course, a larger portion of your purchase price in this sense because more of what you're buying is the actual home instead of the land. So when it comes to depreciation, the land isn't covered. It's the structure. So it can be a little bit more of a tax benefit. But in general, it also just offers a little bit more of a hands-off approach. So with condos, for example, the HOA will cover a lot of things, if you have a good HOA at least. (laughs) And so they'll maintain a lot of the outside of the building, your capital expenditures are lower, all of that. So it was just easier to get involved that way.
0: That depreciation tip that you gave is something that really stood out to me as well when I was buying single-family homes. I remember... Looking for properties that had a yard, but just a little bitty yard. That way, the house was taking up the majority of the lot, so I can depreciate more of the overall purchase compared to if it was a house on, say, three acres. Then I wouldn't be able to depreciate it nearly as much because you only depreciate the structure.
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, my
1: best ever. I would say I think it's really important for you to know what your goals are. For me, it was financial freedom. So I was looking a little bit more strongly at the cash flow from my assets instead of really, I guess, how much I could rent for it. I knew that I wanted to live off the cash flow if I ever needed to or wanted to. And having those clear goals allowed me to look at a deal, put an offer on deals, and then if it was too low for the owner at that time, they came back with their counteroffer, and if at that time it didn't meet my numbers, which I knew were really strong, I had that power to walk away. So I think if you have a really clear path forward and what you want, and not just what you want, but what you need from a deal, it allows you to walk away from mediocre deals and really pursue those, I guess, really knock it out of the park with your great deals.
0: Yeah, it's a very powerful position to be in when you can walk away from a deal and be okay with that versus if you have to sell something or you feel like you have to buy something then you're not in a position of power from a negotiation standpoint and you tend to not be set up for success as much.
1: Exactly. And on the other end of that, if you buy a property that you kind of negotiated a little higher than you wanted to, some people can make it work, which is perfect. But if you ever realize, for example, a lot of times the CapEx, maintenance, repairs, vacancy, all that kind of stuff, in two of my properties they actually needed almost double their kind of older properties so they needed a little bit more of maintenance cost repair costs for whatever reason And because I estimated all those very conservatively, I was still able to cash flow beautifully on those. And so if you're negotiating on the front end of that, you never know what you don't know. So you can end up in some trouble or at least cash flowing a lot less than what you originally thought you would. And then those goals of 15% cash on cash return or whatever that particular goal is are no longer even close to being met.
0: If a best ever listener has a primary residence that they have equity in and they want to get into investing but have not purchased anything, would you recommend that they do what you did?
1: I would say I don't think it's a bad idea if you're extremely confident in your numbers. So I think it would be good in that sense if that person has not done a deal before To find somebody who's experienced, Uh, we often talk about finding mentors in the business industry just so that we have somebody to pass things off on, make sure it's a good idea or whatever. So if they have a good mentor and they feel really, really confident, I don't see a reason not to. But at the same time, it's just as easy to get involved and want to buy that first property and realize that you don't know what you don't know. So if that person has done a lot of research and is able to jump in and get a cash flowing asset, that's perfect. I think that would be a great way to go if they don't want to finance it fully themselves. At the same time, there's always a a middle ground. So they could maybe just bring out half of the down payment and pay off for the HELOC with their cash flow if they wish to.
0: You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P dot forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work, help you analyze if the project's profitable and make a determination on the max purchase price. fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners. It is here. Well, it's almost here, February 24th and 25th, the conference, the Best Ever Conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out, besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you. Move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. Best ever book you've read.
1: The best ever book I've read is in Robert Kiyosaki's collection, actually. And it's not Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's called Who Took My Money? So I guess real estate book in that sense. So I've really enjoyed learning how to, not just with real estate market, but they also talk a little bit about the paper assets and stocks and bonds and all that. So it's a great way to feel empowered and have a really clear path forward and how you can achieve that goal that you have.
0: haven't come across that one. Thanks for mentioning it And Best Ever Listeners episode 262. Titled Wanna Do a Deal with Robert Kiyosaki. Well, you better have an answer to these questions is the episode where you can listen to my interview with Robert Kiyosaki. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it?
1: This one is kind of tough. I guess referring to another real estate book or at least just a really business empowerment book is Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. They open up with your financial blueprints. So Speaking real estate strictly, it's really taught me about my financial blueprints and why I'm doing what I do. For example, in the military, we've had a lot of jobs come and go. We were trying to force people out of the military a few years ago. Now they're trying to ramp people back into the military. So I just never know if my job's going to be eliminated. And so in that sense, it's really great. To have the, just in the back of my mind saying, you're okay no matter what. If you lose a job and don't work another day in your life, you still at least have the necessities covered. So in that sense, the personal growth has come from just being more relaxed about my attitude on money. And really knowing that I can make a lot of things work for my good. And if tenants call, for example, it's not an emergency most of the time and I can relax and make sure that I get them taken care of and they're happy 99% of the time. So a lot of it has just been the personal growth side has been just relaxing more and not being as anxious about money in general or people or anything like that. It's been a really great ride.
0: Best ever deal you've done.
1: I think this one would be the very first deal I did because I utilized the home equity line of credit along with some of the cash that I'd saved up for specifically an investment property. It was just the icebreaker into this journey. And right now it is one of the best cash flowing assets I have. It's been a great learning tool in terms of how to handle tenants, how to handle repairs, how to build my real estate team down in Florida since I'm not local down there. So I would say definitely this deal so far, the very first one.
0: Best ever way you like to give back?
1: I have my hands in a lot of things. For example, in my free time, I'm a dance teacher and a violin instructor as well. So I really enjoy teaching youth and adults. And also, I'm involved in the foster system. So I'm a court-appointed special advocate. And I really enjoy helping out the local community and people in need in that way.
0: What would you say so far has been the biggest mistake you've made in real estate?
1: Ooh, that one is a really good question. Actually, it happened on my first deal and that was just really communicating with a lender. So a few days before we were supposed to close on this property, our lender backed out, and it was insane. I could not believe. Yeah, yeah, just a few days before that. It was about a shared road that, and when I say shared road, it was like a little, almost like a cul-de-sac to this row of townhomes. And so they said that an HOA needed to be in charge of this road because they personally termed it a private road, even though the city did not. So it was really complicated. They said we needed to get an HOA instituted for this row of condos, which there wasn't. And we needed everybody to sign the paperwork saying that the HOA would care for this road. When really it was, I think it was a city issue at the time. I can't quite recall, but it was a really an issue of the lender not quite doing their homework early enough. And they said they had to back out. And that is what led to me putting a little bit more of my own capital in, as well as utilizing the HELOC for that deal. So I would say for the best ever listeners is having a HELOC in the back, at least open, might not be too bad of an idea as well. You don't have to use it if you don't want to, but having it in your back pocket in case there's a larger expense that you thought, and it can always be of some help in that sense. But I guess the biggest mistake is not staying on top of the lender and making sure we were cleared to close early enough. So it delayed the closing a little bit, but we were still able to close and get tenants in pretty soon after.
0: What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you?
1: I do a lot of blogging on a sister site called BiggerPockets. So you can find me there or you're more than welcome to reach out if you want to find me on LinkedIn. So I have a lot of presence there and you can see what I'm up to and my latest blog post.
0: Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you for being on a show and talking about how you got going from your background to the home equity line of credit, how you're structuring deals, what you look for in terms of employment and the capital expenditures and the cash flows at least 250 a door, some exceptions, and everything in between the lessons learned along the way. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the Best Ever Conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out, besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.